Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Just a few weeks ago, I was able to sit down with a couple in our church, Chris and Amy Smith, um, and they just kind of had shared with me. I'd heard their story a little bit from um, some people, and so I'd reach out to them and ask if they would share their story with you guys as a church, because I just think it's such a powerful story of the, the providence of God and of Him being in control of every situation, even when we don't see it. So I want you to take just a few minutes, lean in, and watch this video this morning. We're the Smiths. My name is Chris. And this is Kaylee. And I'm Amy. And I'm originally from Pataskla and went to Watkins. And I'm from Pike County, Kentucky. And I went to Belfry. And we ended up in Carroll after we got married. Uh, we moved back to Ohio from West Virginia. Um, Chris worked as a coal miner and I worked in the office at a different coal mine. So we decided we were ready to have a family, so we moved back and we found this house on Craigslist and the people were really kind and we didn't know we'd be moving into such a good area and we've been here for six years now. So um, three years ago, I had gone to the doctor because I had a bruise that just wouldn't go away and it started to be painful. I went to the doctor and just mentioned it and she said, um, well, I, I'm going to go ahead and send you for a mammogram and an ultrasound. And I thought she was just really over the top. And I was like, it's kind of crazy, but okay, you know, I'll go. So I went and I had my daughter with me. She was almost three at the time. And um, I had never had a mammogram before. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know you shouldn't take your child with you. They set us in this like office room for a long time. and. Knowing now that wasn't normal at all because when they came in, they said, okay, um, the radiologist came in and said, um, we are 95% sure due to the clusters on this ultrasound that you have breast cancer. And I was blown away. I had no family history. I was 31 years old and you know, I was just shocked. So they ended up calling Chris at work. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was working. Yeah. Um, and he, and he usually doesn't phone call. answer. I usually don't answer my yeah. phone call if like it's an odd number. So um, I answered it, and uh, it was it was your doctor. It was the doctor. It was the and radiologist. I was wondering why like this weird person was calling me. Like who's this from his number? And he said that he was with you. And then he told me that um, he was pretty sure she had breast cancer. So my heart sunk. And uh, um, they suggested that he come pick me up. Yeah. Even though so I had driven I, there. So I immediately left yeah. work. Um, drove called, to the hospital. Yeah, he called my parents on the way. I hadn't told my mom about this appointment because I thought it was nothing. And my mom, everyone's mom always is like, you know, gets a little more concerned. So I was like, oh crap, I didn't even tell her about this. Yeah. So how am I going to tell her this? So I made him do it. So I had to do it. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so yeah. they came and they took Kaylee for us. He came and got me and we went home and went to bed for the rest of the day that was and rough. yeah so right after they said this they said well let us walk you across the street across the parking lot 
to this general surgeon and she can do your biopsy because that was the next step. So we walked across the parking lot and we went in and uh, I didn't go back for my biopsy till they got there to take care of Kaylee. And um, they did, it was a ultrasound guided biopsy, I guess, from that to test to, you know, see what type of breast cancer it was, which was news to me. I didn't know that there could be different types, let alone, you know, thought breast cancer was all the same. So they did that. She said that it uh, was definitely breast cancer. It was invasive ductal carcinoma and it was stage 2B. And um, she went ahead and talked me into getting scheduled for a mastectomy, like I think the following week. Yeah, it was soon. Yeah. Just before so, any treatment or anything. Yeah, and so that was her uh, treatment plan. And then everyone said, why would you not go to the Spielman if it's right in your backyard and you're here and you have a breast center? Why would you not go there? And I didn't want to because I don't want to talk about it with anybody. So you didn't want to do it all over again. No. It was hard hard enough for the first time. Let alone go through it again. Yeah. So we went ahead and went and it was uh, the beginning of November at this point. Shortly after, I started chemo and I did six original rounds of chemo and then they have you do infusions still for a year so you keep your port in and you do infusions um of which is half of your chemo drugs but it just helps um the chance of recurrence to be quite less so we did that for a year but after i did my six original rounds of chemo i underwent a bilateral mastectomy and um after we did that I hadn't quite shared my journey yet because it was like, it was hard enough to like, how do I let family members know and these people know? And you didn't want to do like just a big post on Facebook, but at that point, that's kind of where we were at, what we needed to do. So I had not shared anything on Facebook at this time. And a girl that I went to high school with that I vaguely knew, and I still, I don't even know how we became Facebook friends. She had shared a blog post about how she had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was the same type. It was in the same breast. It was the same stage. It was everything same similar. Age. Yeah. But she had already started her chemo. She was uh, two ahead of me. So we got to share a chemo room and do chemo together. And um, our kids were close in age. So that was awesome. Um, and she was kind of like my go-to person because she'd already gone through it before me nine times out of 10 on everything. So I could just count on her to, you know, be my guide and- um, So her and her husband, they would just wheel on down to our room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would all do, they would do chemo together and we'd all hang out. And yeah. Her husband's super goofy and funny. So we uh, made a lot Pretty of similar. <laughs> so, um, and- it was like days after my bilateral mastectomy, yeah. we had a family member in need um, and she needed a place to live. And it's actually, it was his younger cousin. So she came to live with us and she was a blessing because it was helpful. I could only do so much after surgery. And we enrolled her into the local high school. We did that and then I, um, did 25 rounds of radiation. So, uh, and I went to Columbus for that. A lot of people assumed you would just go to Lancaster because they could do that here, but my doctor wasn't here, so I couldn't. So I did 25 rounds of radiation. And then that was in the summertime. And then that winter, 
um, I chose deep flap reconstruction where they use your own tissue so you don't have to do implants or spacers or expanders or anything um, and then I've had two revision surgeries from that so and then here we are <laughs> so when she first got diagnosed um, I knew that I had to make a change um, for her and for um, Kaylee being a good dad and husband, I had to do what I had to do to take care of them and be there for them. So uh, I had a lot. I had to make a lot of changes in my life, and I knew uh, me being the male that I had to step up and do what was right. So um, we started looking for different churches, um, or we went to different churches. Um, we tried a couple, and um, so then we tried Victory Hill, and uh, as soon as we as soon as we went in, I mean, it was, um, we knew that it was the place for us. So when you, when you know you're home, you're home. story. Come on, let's give God praise one more time for that. Such a powerful story of his goodness and provision. Hey, I remember sitting down and having that conversation and talking with them and just they were they were sharing the story with us and just to to see how God showed up in every situation and just, you know, put a friend in her life to walk through this with her that she wasn't expecting and to have people around them to support them. And I think that's the way that God works, right? It's so, we don't even see it sometimes in the moment of how he's working, but when we look back on it, we can see what he's doing. And so it's so great to have Chris and Amy uh, here at Victory Hill as a part of our family. And so we're just so excited about that story and God's goodness. And I just saw that it tied in uh, with our message today as we're talking about enough is enough. Um, and so it just talks about how God is our provider and he is all that we need inside of our life. So, hey, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Victory Hill. And today I do have the opportunity to speak with you guys. And so I'm excited about that. And we're actually ending a series we started last week called Enough is Enough. And so just a little two-part series. Um, but just to kind of recap last week, what we talked about, we were talking about gratitude and thanksgiving. And so we're talking about having um, these things active inside of our life and making sure that we're more grateful and thankful in how we live. And we talked about three things that we need to change in order to be more grateful and thankful. And the first thing is we need to change our focus. And so our focus cannot be on the things that God has created inside of our life, but our focus must be on God, the creator of those things, because he is constant and he doesn't change. The second thing that we have to change is our thinking. We have to change our thinking. And we learn that we do have the power to think before we speak. Whether we use that power or not, that's up to us, but we do have the ability to do that. So we have to change our thinking. We have to be more grateful and more thankful um, in, in the things that we're thinking about. And then finally, we must change our communication. And so this means that we must be more grateful in how we talk to others. We must be more thankful for the, the people inside of our life because the communication isn't just with God that needs to be thankful. It needs to be the communication we have with the people around us. And so uh, we kind of talked about that. We talked about what it means to operate in gratefulness and thankfulness. And today I want to continue with this series on enough is enough. And I want to talk about contentment. 
I want to talk about contentment. And to start off, I think we need to define the word contentment so that we can all be on the same page with what this means. So contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. And I think this is important for us to see because it's not just happiness, because happiness is an emotion, right? So happiness, I could wake up happy because things went the right way. I had good coffee and my family and I had a good conversation. Everything went really well. And so I'm happy because of that situation. But a lot of times happiness is determined by our surroundings and what's going on. But contentment is a state of happiness. This means that this is a decision that we've made in our life to say, I'm content. I am going to be happy inside of this. I'm going to find satisfaction in my life. And I believe that the only way that we can find true contentment in life is through Christ. And so our scripture reference today, the focus that we're going to have is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And so it's going to be on the screen. You can follow along. But it says this. It says, now... Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then this is the verse that we all know. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, right? And so this verse, how many of you in here have heard this verse right here quoted at some point in your life? Raise your hand. Let me know. Yep. Um, So all of us have probably heard this. This verse is quoted by people who don't even associate with church. They put it on, I've seen them put it on their shoes. I've seen them put it on as tattoos, all of these different things that we see because a lot of times in sports, we love this verse because it seems powerful. It speaks to what we can do, right? Can do all things through him who gives me strength. And in and of itself, it's not a bad phrase. It does kind of give that authority. But I think if we don't use it in the context that Paul is writing to us, we may look at it in the wrong way. Because we may begin to say when we're going in for a job interview that I'm going to get this interview because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what's the problem with that thought? Because the problem with that thought is we're assuming that what we're desiring out of the situation is the same thing that God is desiring out of the situation. We're assuming that our wants and our desires are lining up with what God has planned for our life. And so when we use this scripture and we quote it that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we have to understand what happened before it in these verses. Because what it says in these verses is sometimes I'm going to be hungry. Sometimes sometimes things aren't going to go the way that I wanted them to go. Sometimes things are going to look really different than what I wanted them to look like, but it still is known that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My hope is found in Christ, not the situation that I'm going through. And we talk about contentment. This is such a powerful thing to understand is that that is where our hope is found is in Jesus. He has to be where our contentment lies. And when I think about contentment, I think about it in this way. I think about the fact that life is a journey, right? You know, I, I always, I say this all the time when we teach young adults is that life is a journey. You're always moving forward in the direction that God is, is taking you. This is what it is. And so if life is a journey, how many of you know when we go on a journey, we have to pack a bag, right? We have to pack a bag. We have to have the things that we need. And I think that God, for each and every one of us, has packed a bag. I believe that he has given us a bag to take on the journey of life and to help us to get to the place that we need to go. And I think that we have to understand that in that bag, God has placed some things that are specific to us. Everyone's bag looks a little different. 
And I think some of us, we have talents that God has given us. Maybe we're able to sing. Uh, maybe we're able to speak. Maybe we're a good listener. I think God has given us all different personalities. And I think we all have something that is different that God has given us. And so I think we have those. I think, you know, God's given us maybe different careers that we, we, we live out. I think God's given us different family structures and dynamics. And I think God has given us, you know, different faith journeys that we walk on. And so God has given us all of these different things that are packed in our bag from the moment that we are born things that we can't necessarily change because these are the things that we were created with. Now, common sense would say that we would look at those things and go, these are the things that God has given me. I'm gonna be proud of these things. I'm gonna take care of them. I'm gonna live my journey using them. But what do we do a lot of the time? We look at our bag and we check out the stuff that's in our bag and then we immediately look to our neighbor and we get to say, well, I like their bag. Their bag has some really cool stuff in it. I like, I like their family structure better, or I like, I like the giftings that they have. I wanna be able to sing, why can't I sing? And so we begin to look at everyone else's gifts and talents and what God has packed in their bag and we compare it to ours. And so I think there's three things that we have to be careful of that will steal our contentment. If we let it, we, it will steal our contentment. And the first one is this, it is comparison. The first one is comparison. Comparison will steal your contentment. Why? Because you will find yourself looking at the things that God has placed in your bag for you to have and for you to use to bring glory to him and you'll start comparing it to what he's given somebody else. You'll start saying, well, you know, I think that their gifting and talent, what they're doing in the church is way better than what I'm doing. You know, I like what they're doing. That looks fun. I wanna do that. And so we start comparing. You know, I see this a lot of times with like personality types, right? You know, we, we do all these tests, we find out our personality types, and all of a sudden we think that one personality type is better than another. We think that one gifting is better than the other. But what we have to understand is that we're all created in the way that we're created for a reason, for a purpose. God has packed in your bag what he's packed for a reason. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. It says, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. Now, Paul is being a little bit aggressive in this message, right? He's a little, Paul did that a lot. And so I'm not calling you ignorant. I'm not saying we're ignorant. I'm just saying Paul talks to us about this. So we have to understand what Paul's trying to teach us here. He's trying to say that we're comparing ourselves with each other and that this isn't the standard of measurement that we're supposed to be living by. God didn't call us to take our, our giftings and our talents that he's placed in our bag and compare them with everybody else's. Because when we do that, we can't be content in what he's given us because we're always wanting what somebody else has. The second thing that will steal our contentment is competition. Do I have any competitive people in the house? Any, some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. He just said this is gonna steal my contentment. No, I'm a competitive person, right? And if you know Pastor Aaron, he's the most competitive person I've ever met, right? And um, so we, we have this competition mindset in our life. We're always trying to do better than somebody else. We're always trying to achieve the greater thing. And competition isn't always bad, but it is dangerous when it comes to life and following Jesus. Because when we start to try and compete with other people based on what God has called them to do and what God has called you to do, that's not what he intended for us. He didn't intend for you to be in competition with somebody. He didn't intend for you to be competing with your friend who's, who's been at church their whole life and they've been serving in multiple different areas and you just started church and you feel like you've got to somehow get up to the level that they're at. That's not what it is. God doesn't want you to do that. 
He wants you to be able to celebrate the other person and go, you know what, I'm so glad that they are using the gifts that God's given them and that they're achieving the things that they're achieving. And then vice versa, when you see someone who's starting out in their faith, we shouldn't be trying to compete and, and compare with them. We should be trying to celebrate them. Is I'm so glad you've taken this step. I'm so glad that you're living this life for Christ. We have to stop comparing. We have to stop being in competition because this is not what God wants us to do. Philippians 2, 3 says this. Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. This one hurts a little bit when we read it and we have to apply it to our life, right? We have to be humble. It tells us that we are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. So it's not about a competition. It's not about trying to progress ourselves or promote ourselves. It's about how can we help other people along this journey? How can we help? How can you use the things that God has given us to help serve others? You see, if you look at the life of Jesus, this is what he did day after day. He was always finding a way that he could help other people grow in their relationship with God. And so we have to do the same thing. We have to understand that we cannot sit there and try to compete, but we have to work together. Now let me, I wanna stop here for just a second and I wanna address something. There's a difference between being satisfied and settling, okay? There's a difference between being satisfied and having contentment and settling. You see, settling is this mindset that I can't do any better and I'm not gonna be able to accomplish anything else. This is all I'm ever gonna be able to do. This is a negative mindset. And that's not what he's telling us here. He's, I'm not telling you not to be competitive. I'm not telling you not to look for the greater things that God is going to do in your life. I'm saying that can't be what drives you. What drives you has to be a relationship with God and stop trying to compete. God didn't call us to do that. He didn't call us to settle. He said, I want you to be content in what I've given you. Now use what I've given you to see the kingdom of God grow. And so I think we have to be careful. The third thing that can come to steal our contentment is coveting. Now, coveting is an Old Testament word, right? Nobody's going around every day and saying, don't covet, or are you coveting that? We don't use that word a lot. But I wanted to talk about it because I think coveting and comparison are two different things. A lot of us would look at it and say it's the same thing, but I think there's two different things because here's what it is. Comparison is when I just have these two items in front of me and I'm looking at them and I'm comparing them, right? This one's a little different, weighs a little bit more, weighs a little bit less. I'm looking at those things. We can compare, sometimes we're comparing our gifts and we shouldn't be, but there's a difference from comparing it and coveting because what does coveting mean? Coveting means I want this other person's gift. I want what it is that God has given them. I don't want what God's given me. I want what he's given them. Now, as a parent, if you were to give your kid a Christmas present and they turned around to you and they gave it back to you and said, I don't want that. That's not what I asked for. Some of you, you've probably experienced this at some point in your life. I'm not gonna ask you what you did, but I can imagine that it wasn't a great response, right? We would be very upset. We'd be hurt, we'd be mad, we'd be angry if somebody gave a gift back and said, I don't want that gift. That's not what I asked for. But we do this to God all the time. God has given you a gift in your life and you're just sitting on it because you, you don't like it or it's not what you thought you wanted your gift to be. And you're looking at other people and you're saying, hey, I want their gift. I want what they have. This happens in ministry a lot. I know we think that preachers don't deal with this stuff and that we don't ever face these kinds of things. But the reality is when we teach on something, it's things that we're facing as well and we're growing in as well. And we're trying to help us all on this journey. 
But we live, in, we live in a culture that is always filled with comparison, right? And competition and all of these things. And you can jump on social media and in a heartbeat, you can see all of this stuff that people have. And what does that create in our mind? It creates this coveting type of mentality of, oh, I just want that just for a day. I wanna live in that life. You know, just for a moment, I wanna be in that situation. And in ministry, a lot of times this will cause burnout in ministers because they begin to try and compete and they begin to try and covet what other people have. And all of a sudden they find themselves not doing what God called them to do because they're trying to achieve something that we're never created to achieve. And we do the same thing in our life. A lot of times we'll be looking and we'll be frustrated with God and we'll be saying, God, why is this happening? And the reason is, is you have gave up pursuing what he's called you to do and you're trying to pursue something he called somebody else to do. Stop coveting other people's gifts. Stop coveting the calling on other people's lives and learn that we need to make God the center because that's where our contentment is found. So I don't wanna just take today and just tell you the things that steal your contentment. That would be kind of a sad message for you to walk out of here and only know the things that steal your contentment, right? And so I wanna take some time this morning. I wanna tell you things that you can put into practice in your life to build contentment, things that we need to put. And so there's an acronym we're gonna to use today. It's called GOALS, G-O-A-L-S, GOALS. Say it with me, say GOALS. All right, good job. Um, so when we talk about goals, the first thing that we have to do is the letter G. This is gratitude, gratitude. So we must express our appreciation to God daily because this discipline will help us to practice contentment. Now, it doesn't say that you, you practice or express this appreciation sometimes. It says that we must express our appreciation to God Daily. See, gratitude, we talked about this a little bit last week. This is a key factor to having contentment in our life, being grateful for the things that God has done. In Ephesians 5, 19 through 20, it says this. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And verse 20 says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we would love to edit this verse and make it say what we want it to say, that God, you want me to give thanks to you and for some of the things and for the blessings that you've given me in my life. But that's not what it says, right? What does it say? It says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. We have to thank God for everything. What does this mean? Gratitude means being grateful to God for even the things you don't understand, for even the things that frustrate you, for even the things that happen. You know, I talked about this this morning. You know, some of us are blessed with strong-willed children as parents, okay? I'm one of those parents. I'm blessed with a strong-willed child. My mom was home this weekend for Thanksgiving, and she told me, she said, he is just like you. He is a spitting image of you. And so I said, man, I must have been a great kid. Um, but a lot of us were blessed with a strong-willed child. And here's the thing about it. We can get caught up in the fact that they're always arguing with us or they're always wanting to prove their side of things. And we can get very frustrated. And sometimes maybe we're not so thankful. We're thankful for our child, but we're not thankful for the attitude or the way that they, they're acting. But there's a way to change that and become grateful and understand that most strong-willed children are the ones who will be leaders in life. They're the ones that God has called for a bigger purpose. And I think sometimes you have to understand, God, I wanna be grateful for the blessing, even if I don't understand every moment and every situation and every argument and everything that goes on. God, I'm still gonna be grateful because I'm gonna be grateful for everything. I'm gonna be grateful for everything. I've learned this in my life, a story I'll share with you guys is when my wife and I moved to Mississippi 
and we were called into to youth ministry. We went and we went to this church and we started a ministry. After about a year or so there, I realized there was a lot of issues with leadership in the church, just unhealthy things that were happening and we were under that leadership. And I remember calling my buddy who was in ministry and I would tell him what was going on and uh, we weren't sharing with anybody else around because it was just stuff that was happening in the leadership and I was getting frustrated. And I would be upset and I wasn't being grateful. I was upset that I was in this place and in this position. And he told me something, my, my friend told me this. He said, you know, you remember David had to serve under Saul for a long time before he was ever king, before he was ever promoted to a place. And he said, you know what? He said, David had to learn how not to lead before he could learn how to lead. So God put him under someone to teach him what not to do in leadership as a king so that he could understand what he had to do. And so I began to thank God every day. I would begin to say, God, you know what? I don't understand while I'm here, but I'm gonna try and learn everything you could teach me in this moment. I'm gonna be grateful for the calling you've placed on my life. I'm gonna be grateful for the place that you have me. Even when it hurts, we still have to be grateful. Gratitude is the first thing that we have to do when we talk about the goals of operating in contentment. There's a quote that I wanna share with you because I think it's awesome. It's from Pastor Todd Stocker and it says this. It says, thankfulness creates gratitude which generates contentment that causes peace. Say it one more time. Thankfulness creates gratitude which generates contentment that causes peace. So for those of you who are equation-minded trying to figure out how you A plus A equals this or A plus B equals C, here's the thing. When we are thankful for what God has done, it creates gratitude. That's a heart change which generates contentment. So now we're happy because we're thankful and we have gratitude in our life and that causes peace. Some of you, if you were looking at this year, this is something we've all been praying for. God just wants some peace. I just want some happy, I just need some peace in my life. I'm telling you, if you will find contentment in Christ, you will find peace because now you're not looking to the left and the right for what's coming. You're focused on what God has given you. Amen. The second thing that we have to understand in our goals is obedience. See, obedience is, we must be living a life that is obedient to the word of God, changes our focus and allows us to see the world through the eyes of Christ. Living a life that is obedient to the word of God changes our focus and allows us to see the world through the eyes of Christ. We don't like the word obedience, okay? None of us do. It's not a word that we're a fan of because what does obedience implies? That means that we have to follow some rules. We have to follow the law. We have to follow these things. And so a lot of times we struggle with this as adults because we've gotten to a place where we make our own decisions and we do our own things. And so when, when God talks about obedience, the reason I think we ultimately struggle with this is because that means we have to change some of the things that we're doing because they don't line up with what God is asking us to do. Psalms 1 verses 1 through 2 says this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It goes on to say in the last verse, it says this. So we must delight in the law of the Lord. Delight in the law of the Lord. Why is this important? Because it doesn't just mean that we need to know the law of the Lord. It doesn't just mean that we need to say that we read the law of the Lord. It says that we need to delight in it. Obedience. This is something we have to practice in our life. Notice that when we talked about it, we said that it's something that we have to practice. It is a daily thing. It's not something you wake up with and naturally do. Obedience of God's law is something we have to practice on a daily basis. 
And so this is part of the goal is to reach contentment because when we begin to align ourselves with God's law, when we begin to say, you know what, what he's asking me to do is what I need to do, we start to look at the things that he's given us and realize that everything works for a purpose and everything has a place. And so I know that this can be a challenge, especially in the culture that we live in, but when we will open up the word of God on a daily basis and delight in what it says and apply it to our life, we will see things change inside of our situation. We will become more content. The next thing that we have to do is acceptance. We have to have acceptance. We must learn to accept and use the gifts and talents that God has given us. Now, This may seem like common sense that we have to accept the gifts and talents that God has given us, but so many times we don't do this step because what we do is God's placed the gift in our life and we know it's there, but we've never officially accepted it. We've never said, okay, God, I accept this gift. I wanna apply this into my life. I wanna use this for the glory of your kingdom. We haven't accepted it. And so what we do is we sit on it. There's some of us who have been in church for years and we have sat on the gift that God gave us from the beginning and we have never used it. We've never accepted the gift. See, we have to accept the things that God has given us because we must learn to accept and use them because that's how we're gonna grow the kingdom. Romans 12, verses six through eight says this. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we can't just have these gifts. We have to accept them and use them. Use them. When we talk about the acceptance of gifts, we have to accept also that other people have different gifts. And it's for a reason. When God created you and he gave you the giftings in your life, he gave you those for a purpose. Because whatever you're gonna face in your life, you're gonna need to use everything that he's placed in that bag in order for you to accomplish it, in order for you to get through it. And sometimes we go through things in our life and we're facing these troubles and these situations that arise. And we begin to think, God, I just can't handle this. I can't do this. I don't know how, God, where's what I, where, where are the things that I need to get through this situation? And a lot of times he's saying, open up the bag. I gave it to you. You have the things you need. I'm right here. All you have to do is lean on me. There's a verse in the Bible that says to cast all your cares on me for I care for you. He's waiting for you just to unload it onto him because he's given you all that you need. Enough is enough. He is enough for you. The next thing we have to do is love. You see, learning to love God, ourselves, and others is vital to finding true contentment in life. It's vital. We talk about love a lot in the church. And, you know, people say all the time, we talk about love too much. But here's the truth of, of the matter. If, if we don't have love, we don't have anything. Because God is love. He is the one that we serve. And if he is love, then that's where our focus needs to be. So we have to have love in order to have contentment. You see, if you want peace, you have to love God and love others. If you want joy, you have to love God and love others. If you want contentment in your life, you have to love God and love others. This isn't an option on the table. This is something that we have to live out inside of our life. And we don't get to choose the people we love. We don't get to pick and choose. We have to love everyone that God has placed in our life. 
There's a scripture, I use this a lot. If you've heard me speak before, I've probably used this scripture, but it's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. It says this, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And verse 38 says, this is the great and first commandment. And then the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the context of this is that Jesus sitting here teaching, a Pharisee comes up and thinks to himself, I'm gonna trap Jesus. I'm gonna get him in a place where he's gonna have to say something that goes against scripture. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask him, what's the greatest commandment? What is the greatest of all the law and all the commandments? What's the greatest one? And then when he tells me, I'm gonna ask him about all the rest. But what does Jesus do? He does what Jesus normally does. He says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give him two commandments that encompass all of them. I'm going to tell him that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, everything that is within you. And then you have to love your neighbor as yourself. I talk about this a lot, but there's three commands to love in that, not just two. Because you have to love God, and then you have to love others, and you have to love yourself. See, we don't like that part. We don't like the love yourself part. But in order for you to love someone as yourself, you have to first love yourself. That means loving the things that God has placed in your life. That means using the gifts that he's put inside of your life. So we must love. This is so vital to having contentment in our life. A lot of us, we don't have contentment and we're worried and we're concerned with all the things that are happening around us. And if we really looked at it, there's probably some unforgiveness, there's some hate, there's some things that have happened in our life where we're not loving others, we're not loving God the way that he's called us to do. So we must love. The last thing is satisfaction. See, being satisfied means we are no longer looking to the other things for fulfillment, but are instead confident in Christ and his plan for us. We're not supposed to be looking around for contentment in anything else but our relationship with Christ. That's what brings satisfaction. That's what brings a satisfied heart. That's what brings us that contentment is we must be satisfied. We must be satisfied in what God has given us. Stop trying to worry about everybody else. Stop trying to to worry about what's going on around us. And instead, focus on what God is doing inside of your life. He's given you all that you need. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 11 says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. We've heard this said before. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And then verse 11 says this. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. See, these are the things that we need to be focused on. Some people read that verse about the love of money is the root of all evil, and they, they say, well, God doesn't want us to ever have any wealth. He doesn't want us to prosper. He doesn't want us to have money. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that that can't be what you pursue. That can't be what drives you. What has to drive you is a relationship with God. These things are what you pursue. You pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. That's what brings satisfaction. When you pursue these things, you will be satisfied. When you pursue the things of the world, you're going to wind up empty. So many times the reason that we do not have contentment in our life is because we're pursuing a dream and a goal that as followers of Christ, we were never designed to pursue. 
We weren't supposed to pursue the things that the world's pursuing. We learned this last week when we talked about changing your thinking. God wants to renew our mind and change our mind daily because we're not supposed to think like the world. We're not supposed to think like the world. We're supposed to be different in how we think. You see, here's what I I want us to understand this morning. When we talk about contentment, it doesn't mean that we are just sitting here. I talked about this a little bit earlier. We're not just sitting here settled in where we're at. We are still pursuing what God has for us. But there's a difference in pursuing what God has for you and pursuing what you think God has for you. And how do we discover the difference? We lean into God's word. We set up these goals on the inside of our life and we allow them to change us because that's how we are gonna become more content. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says this, it says, you say if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied, but you make a mistake. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Why is this so important? Because so many times we tell God this, God, if I just had a little bit more money, just a little bit more money and I could cover the bills. If I just, if I just worked a little bit longer, I would be able to have what I need to make ends meet. God, if I just had a little bit more time in the day, I'd be able to spend more time with you. God, if I just had a, a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, I could achieve the goal that I'm trying to achieve. But here's the truth of the matter. If you're always wanting just a little bit more, you will never be satisfied. You will never be content. Because here's the fact, all of God is available to you at any point in time. You should never need a little bit more because all of God is always available to you. It's always there. I talk about this all the time. We all have 24 hours in a day and we all have seven days in a week. Everyone in this room. The difference is how we decide to manage the time that God has given us. So asking for a little bit more means you're never gonna be fully satisfied. But when we become satisfied and we become content and we know that everything that God has given us, everything that he has given us is enough. This series is about enough is enough. And what it means is that you can find contentment in what you already have. You don't have to be looking to other places to find that contentment. God has given it to you already. You already possess it. So if we look back over today and we, we look at all of the things, we've learned that there's some things that still are contentment, right? There's three things that still are contentment. We, we have comparison, we have competition, and we have coveting. These three things will sneak in and they'll try and steal our contentment. And we can't let that happen. We have to fight that with everything that we have. And I'm telling you guys, it starts with little things, little things, just a thought that comes in our head. We look at somebody else and what God's doing in their life and it's just a thought. And it's just, man, that's really cool. I kind of wish, wish that was happening to me. And we begin to compare. And then it slips into this competition and we try to say, you know what? Maybe I can do what they're doing. Maybe I can get to where they're going. Maybe I can make that happen in my life. And then the next thing you know, we're in this place and we're coveting because we've realized that we can't do what they're doing in their life because that's not what we're supposed to do. We don't know that, but that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And so we begin to covet. And now we say, God, I don't wanna do this thing. God, I don't want this gift that you've given me. I want that gift. And we have to fight that with all that we have because that's how the enemy distracts us from the goodness of God and what he's called us to do. That's how he steals our joy. That's how he steals our peace. And that's how he steals our contentment. 
So we talked about the goals that we need to place in our life. And here's what I want us to understand. When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't believe that God makes us wait for things. We talked about this a little bit during our, our, our Holy Spirit series. I believe that when we open up our heart to God and we decide to follow him, he gives us everything that there is. He says, everything is available to you in this moment. And so what I think he does is he packs these things in our bag. He says, hey, I'm gonna give you gratitude. Hey, I'm gonna give you obedience. Hey, I'm gonna give you acceptance. It's already gonna be in the bag and you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have love and you're gonna have satisfaction. And so here we are on the journey with Christ. We're all set and ready to go. But what happens is we allow the enemy to begin to sneak in and he starts to take those things out of our bag. We start allow him, we, we start to move those things out. We start to say, well, God, I don't really love that person. And we pull the love out of our bag. We start to say, God, I'm really just not happy with what's happening in my life right now. And we pull the satisfaction out of our bag. But what we have to do is we have to understand this bag is ours. God has given it to us and he has given you all that you need for the journey. And when you understand that you can find contentment and then you wanna know what's so awesome is when good things happen in our life and God begins to bless us because our focus is on him and not the things, we begin to add more to the bag. We begin to say, oh gosh, you've, you've more capacity in my life than I ever thought I could have because I'm willing to understand that I already have enough. I don't need anything else, I have enough. And God says, that's right, you do have enough. Now I'm gonna bless you with this and I'm gonna give you this. And it doesn't mean it's gonna be physical things. I'm not talking about a prosperity type of thing, but I'm saying if you will allow God, if you'll be satisfied and content and understand that you have everything you need, he'll begin to open up doors in your life in ways that you never would expect. If you guys would stand to your feet this morning, as we get ready to close, I just want us to understand why this is such a powerful thing. Because if we can walk in contentment, if we can walk in all that God has given us and we can understand that he is more than enough, we will have so much peace in our life. And all of this crazy things that are happening in our world, it has been a crazy year. And all of this stuff that's been going on, if we will just find our contentment in Christ, those things won't phase us. Because we'll be able to say, you know what, yeah, some crazy stuff going on, but I serve a God who is in control. I know that at the end of the day, he has everything in control and he's given me all that I need to get through this moment right now. If I would just lean in to those goals. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know what you're going through and what your weeks look like, but I can tell you this, if you haven't made the first step and say, I wanna follow Christ, then you're probably sitting here going, man, I'm just not content. I haven't ever been happy. I haven't felt like I've ever had the things that I need. I just feel like I'm grasping at straws, always trying for something more. If that's you, I don't wanna leave here today without giving you an opportunity to say, hey, that's me. I need that in my life. I need Jesus. I need that firm foundation. So if that's you this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity. Just lift up your hand. You can put it right back down. Let us know. I wanna be able to pray with you today to say, hey, I wanna follow Jesus. I want to take that step this morning and follow him. Amen. If you're in this room today and you say, you know what, I'm following Christ. I have a faith that is in him. I'm on this journey with him, but man, I have just been focused on everything else. I've been focused on what I don't have. I've been focused on somebody else's gifting and their calling, what God's doing in their life. It's okay. It's as easy as refocusing right here and right now. I'm gonna pray over you in just a minute and we're gonna sing this song. I just challenge you during that time to say, God, I wanna align myself with you. God, I wanna be content in what you've given me. God, I wanna have 
gratitude. God, I want to be obedient. God, I want to accept this gift. God, I want to have love and I want to have satisfaction in my life. I want these to be alive inside of me. God, we thank you today. God, I just thank you that you are a good God. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you that you take care of us and you provide for us. And Lord, today as we we gather together, Lord, let our hearts be focused on you, God. Bring contentment into our life, God. God, allow us to see that you are all that we need, that you are more than enough, Father God. And Lord, for those who raised their hand and said, hey, I make that decision, I wanna follow Jesus. I need him in my life. God, we ask that you just be with them today as they take this step into that journey with you. God, let them know that there's a church that is behind them, that they're a part of a family bigger than themselves, and that, God, you are right here with them every step of the way. And God, today, Lord, we just want our minds to be focused on you. God, as we worship you this morning, Lord, we want our hearts to be turned towards you so that we can find true contentment inside of our life. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.